Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. We are back again uh, at the end of the season. This time it's actually two days before the new season. Uh, last time we did it like a couple weeks before. Um, for a seasonal lore review, this is the deep lore review. And uh, like I said, about three months ago, we wanted to bring someone else in. So we, we uh, brought in uh, Elemist from the Guardians. I'm sorry. I should have asked that as well. Is it Guardian? Because your your Twitter Guardians is Guardians. Yeah, your Twitter is Guardians like underscore lore, and it. Yeah. My brain is like Guardians lore. That's how I find them, and I'm like, wait, no, wait, what's the show's name? <laughs> it's Guardians of Lore. Awesome. Uh, so why don't why don't you uh before we get started, why don't you why don't you tell us about your show a little bit? Yeah. So Guardians of Lore is it basically a Destiny lore book club uh, podcast. We're available on as many platforms as I was able to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, so like all the major ones, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, and every week we just, we dive into a lore piece and we look at it from the average person's perspective. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That's yeah. That's uh, very similar to what we do. We're, <laughs> we're just two guys. We, we like talking lore. We just, we just like hanging out. <laughs> It, that's pretty much what it is for me as well. Yeah. All right. Um, well, if you don't have anything more to say about it, then uh, Rhino, would you like to get started with uh, the lore card for this week? Yeah, sure. All right. So brought to you from the Destiny Armory Defined, our weekly lore card. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've we've actually covered this one uh, oh, before. Yeah, but it was a little bit more relevant because we have some uh, upcoming changes to look forward to and a really neat uh, thing that this this gun is going to do. <laughs> it's a really um, interesting uh, mechanical uh, uh, development that, they, that yes. they were able to do this. Imagine, if you will, a gun that has a switch that then lets you use it as a sword. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. I know it's going to be pretty cool, man. I, I, I'm uh, I'm excited. Um, so I kind of revised this lore card. It's an exotic mm -hmm. from D D one, even. But uh, um, I got I got a little bit more intricate in it, into uh, intricate into the the findings and and kind of brought some stuff a little bit more relevant to light. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot to unpack about it. Um, I think part of it is the mystery and the elegance of the gun has kind of been what was so cool about the gun in the first place. Cause I don't think I used it a whole lot, uh, over its existence. <laughs> um, it was, it was cool in D one when you could use it to basically never run out of grenades as a Titan, um, for a while how, there. How did you manage that? Well, I think there was some way that you could get it to stack with uh, another exotic at the time. Maybe oh. it was, yeah, maybe it was, uh, what was that thing, the the purple arms that you could get as a Titan? The, no backup plans? Uh, no backup plans. Yeah, I think that was the one, maybe, that, that did it at the time. Uh, I just remember when I would play as a Titan in D1, all I ever did was shoulder charge people and then use that combo. <laughs> Those are the two things that I did as a Titan in D1. 
I don't even play any other characters now, just Hunter. But every now and then I'll, I'll dip on a Titan just to have some fun. Um, anyway, to get into the lore, it's Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. Um, that gun's been around for a while, and it's a very pretty gun. Uh, it's got this huge sword-looking implement bolted to the front of it. And uh, I think that's that's probably been something that people have been asking for since its inception is, can we use that? you know, uh, what as a weapon, you mm-hmm. know, to poke at our enemies. <laughs> I was so. never a fan of it. I, 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 there, it, we have melee abilities and it, when they're yeah. like, Hey, what if we use this as a melee? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think now that we have glaives and it can kind of exist in that space. So it's really yeah. cool as a concept now, but you're right back in D one, they would have been weird. It would have been really strange. Um, I don't even know how they could have ever done it back and then. I, I think it's more of just the fact that it would have been a custom melee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for that weapon, yeah. like that would have been. You'd cool. have to, you'd have to build a whole new mechanic in game just around that one weapon or something. Right. Well, all right. So let's get into it. So Monte Carlo. Uh, the the reason the gun is named Monte Carlo is because of this equation. It's a mathematical equation. Uh, it's called the Mo- Monte Carlo method. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, that's the name of the the perk on the gun too. Uh, so the Monte Carlo method is a technique in which a large quantity of randomly generated numbers are studied using a probabilistic model to find an approximate solution to a numerical problem that would otherwise be too difficult to solve. Um, so it's basically like just shooting. <laughs> a thousand dice at something until you get the roll that's kind of close to the solution over and over and over. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the reason why it's the Monte Carlo method is because they took that, that idea of chance as a mathematic standard to, uh, they took that opportunity to name it after a famous casino <laughs> and the casino is the Monte Carlo casino. Uh, so it's kind of funny that a mathematical equation could be named after a casino, but that's what happened here. So the Monte Carlo method is a statistical technique. Um, it's used to approximate and simulate complex mathematical problems that involve uncertainty or randomness. So the Monte Carlo method can be basically boiled down to random sampling and statistical analysis to generate a large number of potential outcomes. Uh, which are then used to estimate the probability of various events or to prefer to perform numerical calculations. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of graphs that can simplify and explain that a little bit better, but I guess to summarize, it's just a way to throw a ton of randomly generated numbers at an equation that would be really complex and difficult to figure out on your own. So, as long as, as long as you can get to an approximate value that's close enough to the answer, that gives you a better starting point than just, you know, going through this elaborate equation and uh, spending, you know, months just to get back to where you need to be, uh, I guess, is, is the idea. Mm-hmm. So the name Monte Carlo is derived from the famous casino, I said, and it reflects the method's reliance on random chance because, you know, gambling chance, all that thing. Uh, the Monte Carlo Casino is an iconic location 
where several spy movies were filmed. And so that's relevant because in D1, we had ornaments that this was before we even really had like a fleshed out Monte Carlo method perk on the gun that was explained to us. Mm -hmm. And so at the time we had these little ornaments for the gun that popped up and one of them was called super spy. And the other one was called Royal flush. And that Mm -hmm. really kicked it off for me uh, early in D one, which it really explained what the heck the gun was. And so if you, if you look at um, the weapon as a whole, it's got like this really elegant, like, you know, extravagant, nice, pretty uh, aesthetic to it. And I guess that kind of mirrors the Monte Carlo Casino in a way because it's very, like, modern inside, but it's born from this, like, extravagant, elegant, old, you know, feel. Uh, Anyway, so the Monte Carlo um, Casino is in the French Riviera, and it's really this symbol of opulence and extravagance. Uh, it attracts visitors from around the world. It's been an iconic establishment forever, uh, and it's been featured in numerous spy movies. And so that's why those little ornaments were relevant. Um, over the years, the Monte Carlo Casino uh, has provided a glamorous backdrop to several spy movies, capturing the essence of, and intrigue of danger associated with espionage. And so that right there is interesting because in D2, we got lore, a lore entry that was thrown onto the gun. And it's really cool. If you get time, it's a really cool little lore entry. Uh, and it basically explains how uh, a particular guardian went down into an abandoned area that turned out to be somewhat of like a casino area. And he found this weapon that was glassed in a glassed case. Mm-hmm. And uh, and basically stole it. And he had a partner that went with him down there. But under mysterious circumstances, yeah. the partner didn't make it back with hey, man, the loot that they had grabbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a good one. And so that kind of leans into that whole spy movie, you know, trope that you've yeah. heard about. Uh, and, and then I'll just list off real quick the movies that, that the Monte Carlo Casino has been in. So... Um, in 1983, there was Never Say Never with Sean Connery as James Bond, you know, shaken, not stud, that whole mm-hmm. iconic scene. And then in GoldenEye in 95, it was Pierce Brosnan's 007. Um, Ocean's 12 used the casino. Uh, it has a really cool backdrop, and it's almost a throwaway scene, but the scene itself was really kind of a, a, a pivotal point in that movie. And then more modern times casino royale with james bond is uh daniel craig and then a throwback to like one of the earliest ones was the red shoes which is a 1948 spy thriller um and it's pretty it's pretty cool it's very dated (laughs) um but i guess beyond the cinematic fame for the monte carlo um just overall it it continues to uh attract a lot of visitors and people to the casino just because of its iconic status over the years. And uh, it's really kind of like this model for extravagance and, and, you know, like just, it's got beautiful views and, and, and world renowned restaurants, you know, it's got Michelin star restaurants in it. And uh, Mm -hmm. so it's always been kind of like the backdrop for, you know, world uh, villainous spy scene type of uh, environmental, uh, Folklore, I guess, is what you'd call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
anyway, Monte Carlo, and it's got this huge, um, you know, dagger on the front. And we even have new worn ornaments uh, that went with the gun now. And one in particular that I pointed out uh, is an ornament called What If. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you've seen this ornament from Monte Carlo, it's got a massive survival knife bolted to the front of the gun in place of what's <laughs> on the Monte Carlo. And, uh, and, and the ornament is called What If. And so that was very much a little Easter egg or a little foreshadowing for, for Bungie because we've all said it over the years. What if you could use Monte Carlo <laughs> as a stabby stab gun? That's, <laughs> and here we that's go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Monte Carlo is actually my first exotic weapon. I got it. I got it as a strike drop in D one. So I, I use that no for kidding. quite a little bit. No kidding. When, uh, it, while when it came to, when it oh, came to D two, I specifically hunted for it because <clears throat> in Season of Undying, I wanted a pure like melee build for my Titan. Mm-hmm. So I just ran around, shoulder charging, and yeah, then you, you needed it. Yeah. So it was just, it was the best. Speaking on the topic of Monte Carlo, uh, next season we do have its catalyst coming. And so I thought, uh, just to kick things off, we can. Oh, damn it. I thought I got the image, but I didn't. I, I, I clipped it a second early. Um, oh. Uh, the little, the little shot of it being yeah. used. Yeah, um well no, the the uh the the fuck is it called? The thing. <laughs> the, 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 the the on the on, on the side. Off. On the side there, all the all the oh, info. Yeah, the emblem. Not the, the emblem. Oh, I don't know. Fucking Oh fucking the fucking the fuck Maybe it was the uh what do you call it when it activates? Is that what you mean? Yeah, the, the when, perk it, when, name? It, when it activates. Yeah, the that's the, it. the buff. Yeah, the buff. There um, it is, the buff. I want to know the name of it for this. So I'm sorry, everybody. I I, I thought <laughs> I had it. We were doing so good. I didn't even mention how we were succeeding at the beginning like I normally do. And uh, okay, it's called bayonet locked. That was not worth it. <laughs> it's all right yeah yeah i was reserving i was reserving the word bayonet for you and then you forked it okay well okay so no actually i still need that image so i'm gonna put it back okay up. okay right. okay um and markov chain is uh yes what i'm about to bring up is yeah so uh in chat uh I have no idea how to pronounce his name, so or their name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, Markov chain increases by one for every enemy kill with Monte Carlo, and it automatically shoots up to five with a melee kill, much like Swashbuckler or uh, mm-hmm. Grenade Swashbuckler. And so, as you can see in this image, if you're watching, GT Finn, thank you for uh, bringing up Mar- Markov chain. They wanted uh, Rhino. They wanted you to bring. Uh, to bring up Markov chain. I didn't want to step in about it because I looked it up and I had no idea what the hell it was telling me. Um, Yeah. But so the Monte Carlo. Oh, do you want to say it now? Well, sure. I was just going to say what the Markov chain is, but I was going to wait for you to explain the bayonet feature. 
Okay, but so this is a this is a theory that I have about it. So so right now on okay. screen, they got the melee kill. They got Markov chained to five, and then they they do the alt fire button like Cerberus, like uh, Lumina. I think has an alt fire. All the all the guns that have alt fires, they 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 press the alt fire and they bayonet lock the gun. And so what I'm betting is uh, with this because after you, you this video continues. Excuse me. You can see they they stab an enemy with the bayonet. It does a lot of damage, and I'm betting that the bayonet locked is tied to Markov chain, but not specifically to times five. I'm betting it's kind of like uh, an Izanagi's honed edge, where you can hone edge one, two, three, or four for increased damage. Ooh, so yeah, you can get Markov cool. change one, two, three, four, or five, and five does like. Pretty big damage. I, I I forgot. Someone did the math on it. They were like, it's like twenty times as strong as a melee or something like that. Which yeah, that's a big thing. So you get your melee kill, yeah. and then you get your special melee kill. So uh, that's that's a theory I had uh, about this. Okay, well the the Markov chain is interesting, um, and I mean it's got a long ex- you know explanation for what it means. But the simple, I guess. Uh, the easiest way to explain it is it's a way to transition one thing from another to one, one thing from one state to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically you remember when we were talking about uh, bowling Gemini and how you have, you, you have like these bowling uh, type of, yeah, Boolean type of uh, probabilities where, you know, it goes from a to B, a to B, a to B or B to a, depending on which is true. Yeah. So a will make B true. If, this or yeah. B will make a true if this. Okay. Well, Markov Markov chain is a different type of variable that has to do with how things change from one state to another. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to basically make it relate to the world of destiny, it's it's a fixed position. It's a um, it's it's how it's how to predict two future states in a fixed position and either a or b is going to happen or you know whatever letter you want to describe it as mm-hmm. a b or c you know it can be multiple variables it's not just a a, 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 a b type of thing mm-hmm. but it's a way to predict something that could happen uh using a mathematical equation and what's neat about markov change chain is it creates what why they why they call it a chain it creates a chain uh of probabilities that could happen so if A is true, then B might not be true, but C will chain off of an event. And if mm-hmm. C creates another event where a probabilistic chain can happen, then E will happen, right? And so it's not necessarily in sequential order. It could happen uh, based on how the chain is made. And so what's interesting is there's like a really cool uh, explanation for it. And it uses frogs jumping from lily pad to lily pad. I'm and intrigued. It sh- yeah. And so it shows basically how uh, if it's like the pond represents the, the, the finite states in the Markov chain. And then the odds of the frog changing from lily pad to lily pad are those probabilistic uh, equations. Interesting. And so if you think about, yeah, if you think about it that way, um, one of the things that they use in this frog lily pad analogy is 
Is it going to be sunny or is it going to be cloudy, depending on it where the, the frog jumps on the lily pad? And so you can determine things that are environmental factors based on how the fr frog reacts to its environment. Isn't that weird? That is... Yeah. I, yeah. I have a hard time believing that that could be accurate, though. <laughs> Well, no, it's just a, it's just an analogy. It's just a way to oh, okay. kind of show how it's just a way to show how like uh, a mathematical problem can give you a solution to an environmental issue or an environmental problem or something that has so many probabilities that uh, rely on math that you can't sit there and do the data on everything all at once. Mm -hmm. So you use this equation to come up with an idea of what could happen. Interesting. Right? And yeah. so if the frog jumps on this lily pad, it'll be cloudy today. If the frog decides not to jump, it, it'll be sunny. <laughs> and, you're, and you're basing that on uh, how the frog, you know, reacts to its environment. If it, uh, this many days he was on this li lily pad and it was always sunny on those days. And this many days it was cloudy uh... and he was not on that lily pad. So that means it's going to be cloudy. Right? You okay. see what I mean? Yeah, Groundhog's so it's a really day. interesting yeah. idea. So, so it, what you said about having a state that's locked uh, to a Markov chain on the gun, mm -hmm. if you like, so I, my mind imagines like if the park makes contact with the enemy and does what it does, then maybe that spins off a chain of events that leads to a chance that a greater damage might happen with the yeah. next melee or the next bullet might do more damage or something like that. Wouldn't that be weird? If it was left to chance. Well, I, I can't imagine. They don't want randomness in the game, right? That's why they got rid of um, Hawkmoon's uh, perk. Oh, that's Hold, true. Hold yeah, maces. the lucky yeah, lucky bullet thing. What was yeah, it called? There was luck in the barrel, but Hawkmoon also had Holden Aces, which gave it two more. So it had three lucky bullets. Yeah. Man. I remember that was, that was, it was very rare. But you could one shot in Crucible. You stack all three lucky bullets on one, yeah, and you just pop someone's mm. head. Good times. Crazy. <laughs> I understand getting anyway. mad at a randomness defeat in PvP, but I do kind of wish it was still like that because it was fun. It, you know, like. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk about uh, the season that we we all just uh, experienced, season of the deep. Uh, what, what's everyone's thoughts on it? I mean, I would like to hear what y'all's thoughts are. I mean, if if no one wants to speak first, I'll happily speak first. I just I I propose my uh, Monte Carlo theory, so I just wanted to give the room for anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so story wise, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Um. The activity was fun. Love the dungeon. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the actual like gameplay loop was good. Mm -hmm. So like overall, I th I feel like it was a good season. Yeah, it was just I. You start feeling that <laughs> that seasonal yeah fatigue. Yeah, it, 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 you've been, you've been playing Destiny for years now, and every season there's always something more to do. So you're always playing. You never get a, an actual break from the game. That even when you enjoy the season, there's just like a part of you that's like, "Ugh, I already did this." Let's let's, let's put this down for now. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I get you. I, I, I feel I feel very similar. I, I thought the story was really cool. I thought getting to meet Asa was cool. I think Sloan coming back was amazing. Sloan coming back partially taken was amazing. Right. Like there were like, so many uh great story beats in it that just kinda get lost in in the three months of another season. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head for that one. Um yeah. For me, I, I I really probably played more Destiny lately than mm-hmm. I have all year. Um just because Season of the Deep was much more accessible for me. Uh, yeah, that's true. And they they've, they've made they've made a lot of progress in making it more just come and play, have fun. Which right. is good, which is very good. Yeah. So like... play playability I think for me it was uh much more enjoyable mm-hmm. because I wasn't I'm still locked out of certain things, uh, but that's just because, you know, I can't get leveled up without doing like extremely hard content and I don't have that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but, but overall I've been able to do all the, you know, the, the basic chase things. And it gave me an opportunity to go back on Lightfall and grind out some of the stuff that I wasn't able to get in yeah. Lightfall because at that time we had the power creep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not uh max power level. I, just, I yeah i can't be asked i have yeah. one character at max like pinnacle cap and then mm-hmm. i have one character who's like one item away and yeah. i just can't be bothered yeah i'm like 1807 yeah. and it's just like ah, oh I, wow I okay so i'm there i'm like well, I'm, I'm there you know i'm in the i'm in the pinnacle grind and it's just i don't want to do it well i'm at 1825 and oh i got to that artifact level i got to that yeah, the art artifact. But I got to that because of uh, the stupid, you know, just playing. Like I, I even got the Flame Keeper title, and I got the, I got gills from the stupid season, you know, whatever. Just mm-hmm. doing all the little things, just chipping away at them for fun. Yeah. I even played Gambit, which was mostly <laughs> horrible. But <laughs> who plays Gambit? Um, oh my god, that game! I mean, they need to fix it so bad. There's so much. It's so, sad because there's so much meat on the bones that they had for a good mode in the game, and it just like I don't know what necessarily is exactly wrong with it, but there are times when you know, just like I feel like the enemy team has a completely full yellow bar, and mine's like down to the very yeah. end, right? And then we yeah. all start spamming our supers at the primeval, but instead of ours going down anymore, theirs goes to zero real fast and they win. Yeah. I don't know the strategy for that. You know, it, it's like, it just, what? I, I feel you know? like, uh, and I agree. I feel like with everything that Bungie has said recently, they're kind of, they're kind of over gambit, uh, trying to fix gambit. Cause you know, they, they've done multiple thing things with it at this yeah. point and, and nothing is really stuck. No one has really, not a large enough percentage of people have been like fans of it, but I do feel like you saying that just made me think of something because I was like, what could they do? You know? And, and the big thing I, I always used to hear like when Gambit first came out was how fun it was when people like play tested it at events or, or, or like summits and stuff. And they're like, it was so great because we all had the same weapons. So no one was like miles ahead with a uh, better build. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. well, how does that work? Like from a lore perspective, right? How is Drifter right. being the one going? You guys got to play fair. And yeah. it just made me—it made me think. 
it would be interesting if Gambit had a uh the hell is it called like csgo valorant uh those games where you locked have loadouts like, well not locked loadouts you like buy the weapons that you're gonna use in the match yeah something yeah. like that if like gambit saying. had its own little thing where drifters like you all get the same weapons unless uh yeah you, you i've can been get saying that weapon, for years you know? in d in d1 way back when when uh trials first started um Back in D1, I used to clamor for a mode that just had these are the guns you can use in the mode only, and you had to you had to buy them from whatever vendor of that mode was, and then mm-hmm. you get to pick all of these different weapons, but they all have lock stats, loadouts, whatever, mm-hmm. and then you could bring your super in, but it wouldn't have any like back then we didn't have mods and all these you know yeah. things that were added onto our supers we just had the super and you could pick like one or two things we are deep um, in power creep and and you know yeah. <laughs> the, the easiest way that they could actually implement that would be for one thing to implement adept gambit weapons mm. so like trust adept um and then another being when you use a gambit weapon you have a higher chance of getting a an adept gambit weapon as a a reward Oh like, yeah, that would be the easiest way they could do that. So the dangle they... the carrot. Uh, mother, mother codfish in chat said, "The more envoys you kill slash participate in killing, the more damage you do." And so I know that it's like, it's like wave one, you kill the three envoys or however many it is, and then wave two, yeah. you kill them again, and wave three, you kill them again, and you're getting the primeval slayer stack. But they're kind of making it sound like if all the team participates in killing all the envoys, they'll get more. Does that sound right to either of you? Hmm. It's been a couple I, I don't of years th- since I've played yeah, Gambit, I don't think, so I have no clue. I think I'm just misunderstanding them, and that's not the case. But I do know that's, I do know that's how it works. It's just, when I play Gambit, it's like, alright, wave one, let's 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 get the, the first chunk down, and you do this like good little chunk, and then wave two, you do a little more chunk, and then the enemy team comes in, and they're like full yellow bar, and then you blink and the yellow bar is gone. And it's like, how did they do that? Were they just not attacking the primeval at all? They were just like getting primeval eight. Primeval yeah, Slayer exactly. eight. Possibly. And then there's like clutch moments, you know, where it'll, it'll happen for you. You'll just be like, we were doing absolutely horrible. And Everyone then all of a sudden we won. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <sighs> I think that, I, I think the gambit, I think the gambit as a as a mode just has too many variables that determine um you know what can happen at the very final critical moments and you know the catch up mechanic makes it good but also makes it horrible. <laughs> yeah, so no, I, who knows? I, I, right, and it's that's all based off perspective which end you're on. Yeah. yeah. So like anyway well, so then to try try to bring it back to uh, the the seasonal lore of it all. Uh, so at the beginning of the season, when Drifter, speaking of Gambit, when Drifter uh, saw Sloane be partially taken, he seemed to think that he he at least to me he kind of gave me the impression that he knew a way to remove the taken blight from Sloane. And yeah. uh, it was a debate that was had and uh, with me. I was I was against. I was for the idea that it's possible to do so, uh, because we did that with uh, Sadia and uh, Shirochi, Shirochi and Kali. And Kali, or was this was it Sadia? 
Yeah, Sidia. Okay, she's from the Strike. Yes, um, and then the other two are from the Last Wish Raid. Yeah, and then I thought we were also doing that in Season of the Risen. I think it was Season of the Risen where we were going into the uh, the ley lines, and apparently we lost. Were just, season of the Lost. Thank you. Uh, apparently, we were just killing them in Season of the Lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's and that, yeah it's it's weird how the answer to taking away someone's takenness is just spam bullets at them yeah and that and it was like it was like a special scenario that with uh shuro sadia and kelly it it wasn't that we we spammed bullets at them it's that we used our strength to wish for them to be cleansed of the taken blight illustrated through spamming bullets at them and that's why in season of the lost all we were doing was killing them but i mean we were lining up techians to form the circle and uh i don't really recall how that that argument ended yeah the seance never really happened but the funny thing was is that eat and i remember the one of the one of the game people over at destiny one of the people over at bungie said this on twitter and they basically said you remember when we were getting the little weapons that were based on that uh, part of the game? Mm-hmm. So each one of the Techians uh, represented one of the weapons you got, which I thought was a neat little idea. They didn't represent cool. the weapon, but you got a weapon when each one of the Techians was saved, air quotes. Yeah. Yeah, because, oh, actually, no, that's what it was. It was that we weren't killing the Techians, we were saving the Techians who were in hiding. But there was yeah. the final Techian that we didn't save, we killed, because they were taken. That was the yeah. argument. And some kind of ley line explanation. No, like, it was just, we could only save the three because we were able to wish for it with Riven, but now Riven's gone, so we can't wish for it anymore. So, uh, in the case of Sloane being partially taken, I guess it's, maybe it's kind of like, uh, pan- not Panoptes, um, Curia. I'm wondering oh. if it's it's also based off of like how long of the like the duration of the infection that they had. Mm-hmm. Because the Techians in Season of the Lost, like they could have been taken for years at that point. It's already set in. But mm. the in the taken infection in Forsaken, you know, Sadia, Shurichi, Kali, that wasn't as long as the others. Oh, that's Let's... yeah, that's a good point. It still would have been what would that it be? It still Four would have been years? like, yeah, like Taken King, or... Rise of Iron, Red War. So, so yeah, years. four four years because that would be the fourth year. Yeah, and then so season of the Lost that was um, an additional two years. Was that was say. that Witch Queen or Beyond Light? That was that was Beyond Light. It was it was before Witch Queen. So yeah, Beyond Light. so then that would be another. Uh, so then, Forsaken, Shadow Keep, Beyond Light. That was seven years. So double the time. Yeah, or just about. The time. And and so yeah, so uh, one of the codfish asks, can Sloane be fully cleansed? And that's that's kind of the question. Sloane isn't fully taken. Can you repeal not being fully taken, or is it just something that she has to deal with now? In my opinion, Drifter gave me the impression that he knew. How to reverse the effects. Right. Well, okay, so 
there's the other thing too is we've been using the um artifact which has the taken energy that allows mm. us to survive the pressures of the deep so that we can go up against the take so i mean just in that and of itself drifter has the ability to suppress takenness so maybe he'll just figure out some kind of apparatus that she can bolt to her belly or something and then it'll take it away and maybe. as long as she has yeah. it it'll just go away or the effects of it will go away. Cause I know he stopped it or somebody stopped it. Was it Asa that stopped it? Well, so it was Asa and that's, that was going to be my next question for the two of you. Uh, it, it felt like Asa required the taken connection with Sloan to uh, uh, mentally communicate. Yeah. And did okay. you get suspicious vibes from Asa throughout the season at any point where you just kind of like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> Early, early on, I did. Yeah, early on, I did. But now, not so much. Not after the lore. I mean, what specifically? I mean, I guess it could still, f- it could still be a trick. But like, I, I just, I feel like at this point, that kind of a volley up would just be too on the nose. But so, so let me let me ask you this: At the end of the season, we had two major events. The first major event was the truth about the witness and how the witness came to be which somehow Asa was yeah. able to witness, which is odd in its in itself. And I'll, I'll come back to that. Yeah. And the second event was Asa telling us that we need to communicate with Savathun to learn how to follow the witness through the, the portal. And so those two things together, it's kind of weird. Like Asa's a Leviathan. Asa's uh, another species. How did Asa yeah. get to Titan? Why is Asa only now communicating? Why has Asa made no other efforts? Why is it only when Sloane was taken that Asa could communicate? Well, so Slo- so first, uh, first off, Asa found Titan because she sensed the uh, she sensed you know she sensed the light from across the galaxy or whatever. And knew that that was the direction to start heading when she was fleeing the witness's influence, as we learned in the lore. So mm-hmm. in the lore about her, it explains how how she was like, oh, I'm not going to be a, a, a crazy worm species. I don't, I reject your logic. But the only mm-hmm. way to get away, because everybody's trying to get me, is to escape this writhing mass of worms, which she did. And mm-hmm. they were trying to keep her, yeah. and she wiggled her way away from that writhing mass of worms, as they so descriptively put in the lore for some reason. And she fled. She's, well, you don't like writhing masses? Well, I mean, it was just kind of a weird detail to put in there that all these worms were happening. And it was just kind of like, it made my mind think like, holy crap, dude, this whole, you know, this whole witness mm-hmm. darkness thing with the worms, they're everywhere. They're not just... They're not just the hive. Like that yeah. whole thing could have gone out way further because we know that I'm I'm spinning off as we do in the show, but we know that the the hive, we know that the worms were 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 split up at times. We know that they were cut up in pieces in certain places, and then they just kind of wiggled calcified. away. Like, yeah, and they were wiggled away, and then they just kind of like roamed amongst, um, roamed around the galaxy and found hosts, okay. which is freaky to me. But anyway. But- Back Let's, to Asa. Yeah. So she can I, sensed the light and, and, and ran over here. So can I say why that on Titan. can I say why that does not dissuade me from being suspicious of Asa? 
because of the influence of, of the witness. All of that, all that shows me is that Asa feared the witness, but Asa yeah. didn't say, Hey, go be buddy, buddy with the witness. She said, Hey, go be buddy, buddy with Savathun, who is also an enemy of the witness. Uh, so, so do you think she detected the love in Savathun when she says love? What do you mean by that? Because that was the thing that she she said she felt was love. And so that's what oh. called her all the way across the galaxy. Uh, what it, what it, what was it that the Hive said about love? Uh-huh. This, this that's love an is interesting war. detail. Yeah. Love is death or something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, this they love, love is war. That was the title of uh, verse 4-5, this love is war. From the books of sorrow. <laughs> it's creepy. Oryx, my brother, loves creepy. me, and this love is war. And so so Asa. I I wonder. Asa was swimming in the in the fucking ocean that Oryx's body <laughs> fell into. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like how much how much of that did she pick up while she was down yeah. there? Because she had to hide. She had to hide. We know from the lore, yeah. but like how how hidden can you be even with we know that even with um Oryx being dead, his mm-hmm. his bones and his his matter uh still has you know whatever was in it to kind of I mean, like some of that taken energy. Asa could yeah. have just could have just witnessed the events, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm not fully against Asa. I'm not like she's absolutely uh, someone that shouldn't be trusted, but I'm I'm like not not just letting full trust with her. It, yeah, because what I'm kind of thinking is, so Asa flees the witness, flees the writhing worm, senses the light, comes crashes crashes onto Titan. For some reason, she's able to fly through space, but now that she's here, she can only be on Titan. Sure, she like. Yeah, it, it's fine. Like, it's fine, a, right? She picks her wave. <laughs> she picks I the one planet. Figured, oh, gone. I, I had always figured that she portaled instead of like flying through space. Okay, well, even then, even then, well, yeah, maybe. But she picks the one she wrote, planet. Technically, she wrote a galactic current. Is it, is the that way not that flying through went. space? Yeah, but like there was like some kind of a way that she was able to get here uh like faster than normal. But in any case, she picks the <laughs> one planet it's a moon planet that we go to that was not touched by the traveler. And that's where she sets mm-hmm. up shop. And in fact it was touched by uh the witnesses fleet instead yep. like and so that's what yeah. i think she yeah. had a front row seat to watching savathun say fuck you witness and she's like i gotta i gotta get on that side because that's the winning side <laughs> well, well don't forget like she's been there a lot longer she's been there since you know the the golden age well yeah sure sure oh so she's she saw humanity get fucking destroyed by the witness and then she sees savathun pull the the wool over witness's eyes and is like okay i know who i'm siding yeah. with i'm siding with the one that will win and that's savathun maybe and then at the end of the season this whole thing uh sloan needed to be taken to communicate with asa for whatever reason you know because and 
Asa somehow understands the origins of the witness, like as if they were there. Savathun's the one that would know that shit, right? So Savathun tells Asa, Asa tells us, then Asa tells us. Now that you know the origins, go free Savathun. Get her, get get her back here. <laughs> and and see, I'm I'm wondering if it was actually like she pulled the origins from the witness because of some some kind of psychic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is something yeah, that Sabathun has clearly been able to do as she done as she had done with Crow, which is apparently a power of darkness. The memory is of darkness, apparently. You mean the veil? Well, memory itself, which the veil also. Uh-huh. Uh, well, yeah, because memory memory is tied to the darkness. Yeah. Well, like they said at the very end of of the veil containment uh, that. The light is physical, whereas darkness is mm-hmm. mental, spiritual, whatever. Yeah, there you and go. that's something that Bungie yeah. has said for a while as well now. Yeah. But so that that's 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 kind of the case I'm making. I, I don't fully trust Asa. I'm not fully against them either. But what it feels like is Sabathun is our enemy and has a shared enemy in the witness. Asa is not our enemy, but has a shared ally in Sabathun as well as an enemy uh, in the witness. So it's like this this complicated chart of like, we don't want to work with her, but we will work with her, and she will work with her, and we all want it gone. It's like a weird hate yeah. triangle. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's not a yeah. love triangle, so you got to use... Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, it's it's very interesting. At the at the very least, it's interesting because uh, as a whole, you know, the darkness and the the light saga just not being inherently good or bad. And then we have to throw in this whole like, well, what side of the fence are you going to be on when, you know, the witness wants to mantle the responsibility as the winnower and then take on the power of the darkness. And then the gardener, which is just fragmented out all over as guardians, you know, with their ghosts. And then there's this kind of like clash of Titans about to happen. But at the end of the day, uh, the two entities that are fighting one another aren't inherently uh, like good or evil. Like I I just don't see like they don't really end up succeeding. Like it it just is a merger at the end of it all. So some way. Uh, for anyone watching, I drew this little diagram here. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's reversed on camera. So so we'll work with Asa, and Asa will work with Sabathun, but everyone hates the witness. <laughs> there you go. Just, that illustrates my thoughts. <laughs> That's funny. Good old witness. Get out of here. And that's what I mean. I feel like this was a really good season when it came to the lore. I feel like there were so many cool things that happened. But it maybe because it got spread out, maybe just because of my fatigue. I don't know exactly what it is, but it feels like there's a lot that gets kind of like lost. No, in the three you're months. absolutely right. And I yeah. think you're speaking as a I think you're speaking the statements that I've heard echoed across the entire community. Everybody has it's that time of the year. Also, there's tons of other games that came out at this particular moment, which are really playable and like yeah. demand a lot of attention. And so 
can you devote all your time to destiny still while all these other awesome things are around you, you know? And I've, uh, I've unfortunately, heard... yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the most, the coolest things that have happened in destiny thus far since Lightfall have all been story and lore. And uh, I feel like that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing that there's so much good stuff in there. The bad thing is it's not really apparent to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even died in the wool lore scholars that deep, you know, go deep with this stuff have missed critical moments. Like I even have, you know, you have. Yeah. I mean, we've we've found stuff where just like, what? Wait, oh God, you know, holy crap, that's what they meant. I you have know? not I missed mean, anything. <laughs> I will say this: the Inspiral lore Nothing book goes was, over your head. You would the, the Inspiral catch lore book was definitely the best thing that we got so far. That was that was amazing. That was such a great book. We had two episodes for that, where usually yeah. we 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 don't actually like read the entries. We just kind of summarize them and and talk about them. Inspiral, I was looking through it. I was like, we're reading this. We're we're reading this word <laughs> for word, and then we're we're explaining our our thoughts on it. We broke it up into two. It was it was two yeah. fantastic episodes. That was such a good book. Yeah, even looking back on it now, um, you know, with how everything was uh, a something data fragment, you know, like everything had like its own little, even looking back on it now and how what we're what we've learned, uh, just correlating it with how memories are tied to the darkness and then physical manifestations are tied to the light and how that specific verbiage they used to title each entry was really kind of interesting and each each ver each entry that had that little uh sentence at the top was related to one of the enemies or one of the uh characters that they were talking about and it was just interesting because up until that point all we had ever really heard about were calcified fragments or mm-hmm. yeah desk dead ghosts or you know uh Ghost fragments, I miss that. You know, stuff I miss. Like the, that. I miss this like little like data fragment, like whatever it may yeah. be—a calcified fragment, a dead ghost, a literal data fragment created by like Vex. I I miss that like feeling Chase. of finding yeah. it, finding this item that like how in how in Forsaken we had uh we had <laughs> dead drones for Crow's lore book, we had Ankara yeah. bones, we had corrupted yeah. we even had feathers, we had we had so many things. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. So there was just so many things that like made it made it like more like uh physical. Like even if it was in game, it felt physical to be like, what did I what did I find? Not what did I uncover? I did the mission yeah. and I got the lore book, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that yeah. one ghost fragment you had to get by walking backwards through the light tunnel and the crota's in raid? Oh my god! Yes, across the bridge. That like, was so how good. How did somebody yeah. find that shit, dude? <laughs> you had to go everywhere for those things. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I remember. I think it was House of Wolves when we got a uh, that um, that war mine strike saber two. You were able to glitch into the tunnel system, the rocky tunnel system, just before the actual bunker itself. And yeah. it was like the week before it came out, and I was like, "There's something in here. There's something in here." And then someone on Twitter found the ghost fragment before me, and I was like, "I, I it could have been me. It, it could have been me." <laughs> oh, and and see, I I remember um, glitching out of the map in order to find the um, the Tannic strike. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a cool one. And then that, that weird, that cool sparrow that happened if you made it in time to the taken uh, version of that one strike. 
and you could yeah. get the cool sparrow at the end that had the lights on it that we hadn't seen until. But yeah, I mean, I don't know the black like spindle that. mission. Huh. Yeah, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the black spindle mission and the the taken sparrow and I think taken um, ship. Were yeah, you got the taken ship from the uh, from the black spindle mission. Yeah, th- I think there were rare drops from it. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you know, it's funny as my wife, even when we're playing other games together, every now and then she'll just be wandering off looking in like a corner or something. And she'll and she'll joke with me and be like, I found a dead ghost. <laughs> <laughs> She That's does it great. all the time. We'll just be playing and she'll be like, I found a dead ghost. And see <laughs> the fragments. That was another one. Oh, yeah. That was oh, a cool man. one, too. That was a that cool was one. That was a cool one because the story that was attached to that one yeah. was so like, what? Yeah. I I did that raid day one blind with a with an old fire team of mine. And I to this day, I stand by. If we did not spend all our time looking for SIVA fragments, we could have world first it. We we had we had every encounter just like got it got it got it got it let's go let's go let's go yeah we, we spent like two hours just like what's over here nothing are you sure <laughs> let me check as well it, it's funny it's funny that we we in like instinctively any kind of new level uh, game whatever we instinctively start looking around in corners and jumping on cliffs and like all that but then Bungie every now and then will put something like right in the front of you like yeah, you'll, uh, what is you'll be playing the saber strike and then right there by a chest there's the dead ghost fragment you know yeah. it's like oh god it was right there and i'm looking everywhere else so well, and, I, and bungie understands that like they've they've trained us to go hunt in like the random places and then all of a sudden uh-huh. they'll, they'll flip the script and they know it throws us off yeah I guess the last thing we really got was in the 30th anniversary stuff to go look around, you know, like when we found a uh, master chief's cryopod yeah. you had to go find that. And it's like such a touchy little rock that you have to like stand perfectly beside to get mm-hmm. to activate the, the door. Yeah. Well, so I, uh, if, if I, I have another, uh, theory and this one would go, for a year from now, post post final shape launch, that I'm not sure if I, I said on this show, and I, I I definitely want to get it in this episode, so I'll I'll say it quick. Okay. So, last year in Witch Queen, we got instead of following the order, it's it feels safe to say without leaks that Crota's End is probably the raid that we're gonna get. If it was Wrath of the Machine, they would have said it's Wrath of the Machine. They have not said it's Wrath yeah. of the Machine. It's probably Crota's End. Which is a little weird because if they wanted to do Crota's End, they could have done Crota's End and then done the Taken King or uh, uh, King's Fall to like go Malta Glass, Crota's End, King's Fall. So yeah. there wouldn't even be this like Wrath of the Machine although, uh, insurgents. Although Crota's End requires the most redo. Yeah. Um, uh, it might, it, you know, that's, that's fair to say. And, but so. But what ended up happening was we got the t- we got King's Fall, and then that was in season two, season three. Yeah, season three sure. of Witch Queen was uh, King's Fall, and then season four of Witch Queen we got our second dungeon, dungeon which was the uh, the tower. I forgot what that one was called. Uh, Spire, Spire, Spire the Watcher. Spire. Yep. Uh, so then, uh, season one of 
um, Lightfall, we got our, our new raid. Season 2 of Lightfall, we got the new dungeon, which featured Season 3 Oryx, Sis Body, in the Titan Oceans. So it's like yeah. they, they, they put this raid here, and they were like, even though the raid, it, it's a legend, it happened in the past, we're going to, like use it to like refresh people's mind of what who is oryx what happened to oryx look at oryx's body and then we get ghost of the deep dungeon so next season to assume that we do get crota's end we have crota come back so that makes me think what's gonna happen in season two of final shape when they said that the light and dark saga is finished with the final shape and the seasons after it will not be like continuation story it's going to be like the next section and so i i i'm betting that what will happen is with crota's end we will get lore entries of some form either on weapons on armor or something like that that will be from toland the shatter's perspective of how he heard here here comes some some young fire team that that need him to help them with the hive and go to go in there into the Hellmouth and and find Crota, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do that. I'm I'm gonna get you all killed, but I'll, yeah. I'll do that. It'll it'll benefit me. I don't care about you. It'll benefit me." Yeah. And then, yeah. post final shape, when there's a new power vacuum because the witness has been defeated. Oh, here comes Toland. Yeah. Man, I, I like I like the idea. In a, I wonder, in a season two um, dungeon. I mean, just to back up on what you were saying, uh, like we got the Oryx refresher. Mm-hmm. What was cool about what was cool about the Oryx refresher and how he ended up in the depths of Titan was um, I put it on Twitter too, but it's neat because his body drifted down to the bottom and it's just kind of like laying there, uh, but it represents like a whale fall. And if you've ever heard of the whale fall, it's like when a whale dies in the ocean, its carcass falls to the bottom of the ocean. And then it becomes this huge, like, uh, flora of life that happens mm-hmm. based on, you know, all that. And then, so whale falls are really crucial to the environment of the sea because it gives new birth to all kinds of organisms, life, worms, you know, crabs, uh, fish, blah, 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 sharks, all that. Anyway, we've been down there picking off the bones of Oryx's carcass that represents this whale fall. And in fact, we even got a gun called the Navigator, which is named after the first Navigator, which is what Oryx was called when he went and, you know, on his pursuit for knowledge, Iot. And it's a gun that is aesthetically to look like a, a killer whale. So hmm. it's just funny that Bungie loves to play with these dynamics in game and how we're just picking off of those little things. And what is the Guardian's biggest folly is this constant pursuit for um, weapons and, mm-hmm. you know, materialistic type of things that make us better with the light and all that. So that's that's ultimately been our undoing is this constant need for better, 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 more, more, more yeah. weapon, weapon, weapon. Even in the lore, it's like, how do you get a Guardian to do something? Well, you dangle a freaking piece of armor in front of their face and um so that's interesting so there's that but then like you said Bungie told us early on they said when when we do a reprisal next we want or like crota 
as a reprisal would have been really great for us because there was a lot of opportunity to basically take a raid that a lot of people had disdain for because they thought it was too easy or whatever mm-hmm. or didn't have enough fun fun factor built in hardness whatever and then they can reprise it in a way that makes it new refresh it yada yada and yeah. so i think that part of the reason why it's taken so long and why it didn't show up first before taking king was they really wanted to make it a new experience one they hadn't had before they've never done this before they've never reprised a raid and made it different and so like you pointed out who's in the raid or who are the characters right now that could be somehow tied to a reprisal of crota well there's tolan there's also uh you know uh i've got a war and then there's some other extraneous characters that are still running around uh that have been takenified trying to you know take all that and then of course the witnesses influences everywhere but he's he's tied up in the moment with the traveler so if they reprise crota and bring it back it could very much be new lore new stuff and maybe it has ties to the whole takenification of things <laughs> that's even a word you know and maybe it has something to do with some back channel memory fragment that shows that Tolan was ultimately duped and led down this road that was our undoing from the get-go you know and maybe Savathun had something to do with that because we know the moon was a war moon or a, a potential war moon at one time so there's a lot to unpack I used to say that back in D1 yeah. That our moon was a war yeah. moon. I, I got a lot of shit for that. <laughs> as, as People weren't happy. As yeah. as much as I I would love for there to be a an actual like lore connection to us going back to Crota's End. Well, I mean, I don't think there has to be to go back, but it's like well, what 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 do we get for going back and having this refresher? It, right. I I personally think that the next raid is going to be Leviathan. Really? Ooh. They already redid all of the the assets for Season of the Haunted. Yeah, Yeah. but exactly. They redid it. They're not... A a reprised raid is not a raid again. It's a raid again in the past. Well, yeah, but Leviathan got taken out out of the game. Yeah, but if they it got taken out to get updated assets, so then they would re they would undo their updated assets, right? I don't know. I I just think they've already done a lot of work on it, and from a business sense, it makes sense to just reintroduce that one because it would take the least amount of work. Well, yeah. and you know, and they could probably just you know throw Egregore all over the place and put some more you know spin on it, and absolutely then let you. Yeah, let you go to let you go to the other places that we were locked out of, and that would be the continuation of a new lore experience. I mean, a new uh, raid experience, I guess. But and that's that's what I they mean. They would it, totally have to do. They would that would go back on what different. they said of what a reprised raid was meant to stand for. Right. So we then, didn't. We so weren't guardians re- today. Going back to Vault of Glass, we weren't guardians today. Going back to King's Fall, we were guardians right. then. Going to and going to. And then yeah. we can only assume that would follow suit. I mean, if they want to, if they want to change they, it, that's fine. I'm I'm for whatever changes they think would be more interesting. 
It's just that would be a change. It's all. It's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, and and like they they've they've updated all the different raids and mechanics, and mm-hmm. so like it's it's not the same as you know it was back when it first released. That's fair. True. I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much they could do. There's so many potentials. That, yeah. That, like what could happen next. Um, there's there's a ton of potential, um, and Callus played a big role last season, yeah, know, in the actual expansion. I think like I think as of right now, like the immediate future, um, anything to do with Callus, I think is just like uh, going to be on deaf ears. Um, but I think going to what they've been setting up in Lightfall, which a lot of people aren't aware, which is funny because there's a lot of stuff in the lightfall campaign obviously the veil containment that people love to to smash that the fact it went in front and center in front of your face and why is all this awesomeness not right here where we can just push a button and listen to it well i i have a feeling that part of that was intentional one part because writers as of until now haven't really had enough um, insulation from us to be able to just like find everything that's about to happen and just share it with the world, you know, data miners and stuff like that. And that was one of the things that they were able to use as a tool to kind of uh, keep the story uh, nice and doled out the way it should have been within the experience in the game. That's one side of it. The other side is Bungie loves to hide stuff. And so that was really funny to me because the veil containment was just sitting there. And (laughs) if you weren't playing, you weren't seeing it. And then like, Five weeks into it, people are like, holy crap, this is an actual thing that keeps going. Here we are. Uh, but so that makes me go and dissect all the little lightfall lore that went 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 unheard of or unlooked at. Mm-hmm. And when I went back and looked at it all, I started getting a little bit of a clearer picture as to what they're setting up. It feels like because we have the veil, it feels like how memories are tied to the veil and how uh, the veil is kind of like this physical representation of the incomprehensible shape of the universe, and it stores all of the memories and blah, blah, blah. So that being said, the veil is in, uh, part of what's going on right now. It's even manifested in our uh, new ability that we have, uh, and even certain weapons are using it. Uh, but what's more important than that is some of the little key things that they're saying, like the fact that the witness was able to, you know, uh, gain access inside or another place of the traveler, whatever you want to call it, the pink triangle floating in front of the traveler traveler is the gateway for him to be where he is. Right. That's still a mystery. Uh, But some words come up like, Einstein Rosenbridge, you know, that popped back up, which we first heard that in Warmind. Uh, mm-hmm. What is an Einstein Rosenbridge? And, you know, that's basically a parallel universe, uh, basically time, the fabric of time and space folded upon itself, creating a wormhole tunnel that allows you to go to somewhere, somewhere else, some other time, whatever it be. So it makes me wonder and we get into reprisals and raids and we get into timelines and we get into like vault of glass happened back then. It's not happening right now. What if, what if they're going to be like a little bit of an explanation as to how we are able to access memories from a different time and parallel us's 
or you know parallel guardians running on a timeline from another timeline like we know the stranger can you know go back and forth through different timelines and pick the one that works to get to us to help us get to a future that's going to be successful so we know that there's an ability not not willingly yeah no but like that not willingly just like you said not willingly well, I, I don't think so, it was that she could actually even go back and forth. It was just that she gets reset. Right? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's got there's a failed day. time. There's, there's yeah. failed timelines. Yeah, of course there's there's failed timelines. Time and, and the, the, the uh-huh. uh, perception of Anna died. Yeah. And so do you remember when we were talking about this a while back and how I said maybe our soul system is a pocketed... Mm-hmm universe where the 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 chances for success is you know most prevalent and everything outside of that were failed timelines what if they're going to try to explain how we're able to dip and dive and maybe our abilities and maybe our light and all of these things that are physical manifestations are being pulled from those failed timelines that's scary to me Hmm. but also it's a really cool print uh idea to play with and if we're gonna if we're gonna say that the light saga needs to needs to come to an end, what would be the beginning of the next saga? Mm-hmm. And so my mind goes to this idea that, you know, here we are, we're not necessarily on rails anymore. Here we are in this like limitless possibility for a future where we can use dark and light together, and, you know, ultimately escape our extinction. Yada yada. I don't know. What do you think? It's a good I theory. Know. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, something that I have to sit with. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I the only reason why I bring it up is because as of late, how the lore has been doled out to us and how Lightfall uh, brought us the lore, all of these little murmurs that they've been putting into the story and in the lore. Um, seem to be kind of like seeds for the future like they did with us in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if some of these seeds that they're planting wouldn't have something to do with something like that in the future uh, to kind of give us a little bit more fleshed out explanation as to why we're even here in the first place or why the collapse happened in the first place. And yeah. then there's going to be some revelatory thing that happens at the end. And, you know, that's why I say it, it It would be too on the nose to just say, oh, it's just a trick, you know, or, oh, the the darkness just, you know, came in and we pushed it back and it's going to reset everything again. You know, it just, I don't think people like, you you know, people are fatigued at this point. It's been freaking 10 years. we got to have yeah. something tied up in a nice pretty bow, you know, and anything less than something just crazy isn't going to be acceptable. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a complaint i have with people just in in a general sense uh a friend of mine uh read a story and i i I recently read it too and it just finished and he was like it it just kind of finished and i'm like yeah (laughs) what do you mean of course it did it's like was there like a big epic battle where the good guy beat the bad guy it's like yeah and i was like and then it was over because he beat the bad guy it's like yeah and that, that that sucked and i was like well, what do you mean? Like either it goes yeah. on forever and it sucks yeah. or it just ends and it's like, and I was like, it was great. It, it was great. The good guy had a happy ending. He got to go make cream puffs and, and, and live with his family <laughs> and the bad guy went to jail. 
You know, it was like it was everything I it was everything I could ask for. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh man, I want some cream puffs now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so uh interesting. Uh Elmus, do you have any any uh predictions for next season or even potentially lightfall? Uh First off, I just want to get this out of the way. I'm going to be sad if they don't name the season Season of the Witch. <laughs> like, I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can do it legally. But like, oh wait, I, yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. No, no, they, I, I they don't definitely know they can, can because it's different. It's different. Everything's a season of. Oh, I, I, I get that, but like, I can understand Maybe that they legally the can't. Um, but. Right off the bat, either I think Savathun is going to pull some some trickery fuckery where she ends up getting out of our custody, mm-hmm. or she's going to end up being our vendor. And I'm going to hate that. That'd be so <laughs> odd. I'm going to think... hate that so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. As as for Make- story, like I I don't. I've been kind of reserving myself on that. I haven't d- been doing many predictions or anything. Um, I could see there being a sibling war between Savathun and Zivu, mm-hmm. and we just get caught in the middle. Savathun yeah, uses us as a tool. I have good news for you. Hmm. I, I, I tried to, to quickly look up if there's like any any uh known copyright law about Season of the Witch. And uh so nineteen eighty two, Halloween three, Season of the Witch, which is which is what my, I go to uh when I hear Season of the Witch. Uh Season of the Witch, <laughs> Enchantment, Terror, and Deliverance in the City of Love, a book by David Talbot. Uh, Season of the Witch, 1973 film. Season of the Witch, song by Lana Del Rey. Season of the Witch, 2011 film. Bungie wouldn't be the the first, second, third, or even fourth to have something called Season of the Witch. They're fine. <laughs> they That's true. So, like they I said, I'm it. gonna be sad if they if they don't. Yeah, no, it it is it is all over Season of the Witch. Like that's that is not owned by anyone. <laughs> It's so the yeah, people's season. I'm I'm gonna be sad if they don't name it Season of the Witch. Yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of that now. <laughs> yeah, I I was like until a week ago, I wasn't even sure that we were actually gonna be doing the Sabathun storyline. I was like, I think that's gonna be like season four type of thing. But they showed that preview with Ikora like hanging out with Amaru. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like, all right, well, there you yeah. go. You, I mean, you didn't spoil anything. The story's still going to happen. But it's like, okay, that's the topic. All right, then. <laughs> well, what are some things that we know? Like, the fact that they said that Savathun's not going to be as big as we think. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. going to be... Exactly. But I, I ha- Yeah. So there's going to be something she's probably going to say. She's probably going to do some things. And then we're going to have to use it to, you know, go on to fight Zivu, I'm assuming. But... Um, well, because so, in the in the teaser for the the next season, was that the teaser for the next season or the teaser for Final Shape? I hate that they do this. I, I think it was for Final Shape. <laughs> okay, so you already knew what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the teaser for for Final Shape. Carry on, right now. I'm sorry. 
No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. I was just saying, like, so we know there's going to be like a little, we got to deal with her for a minute and then uh, use whatever we learned from her to go on to fight the ultimate immediate baddie at that time. Uh, we we got to use Imaru to get to Savathun and then Savathun's going to tell us something and then, I don't know, maybe die. I don't know. Who knows? Or we'll, maybe we'll stick her back in another, you know, uh, crystal. Ooh. What could what possibly if, happen? What if the the very last mission of the season is us fighting Savathun to try and kill her again so that she's not an issue later on? Oh man. Oh. <laughs> I just I, I just feel like I feel like we can't uh I feel like we can't give away Savathun without saying and we hold on to amaru kind of like uh yeah uh what's her name uh fire uh fire the warlock anor how, how, how she goes around like she'll she'll pop the guardian but then capture the ghost she won't kill the ghost but she will like you're not allowed to resurrect Ooh. them thing. In, imprison That's the right. ghost yeah yeah it was so a showcase Oh. So the showcase teaser shows several ships, including our guardian, flying into the magenta portal on the traveler. And the showcase is the final shape showcase. It's not the season twenty. It's not the season three showcase. Uh, so I do think we will not go into the portal until uh, final shape. Hmm. Yeah. So then, with so that may- in mind, I don't even know if we'll actually resurrect Savathun this season. I think we might just try to, like, work it out with Amaru, like, kind of <laughs> without Savathun's direct involvement. Yeah. I, I think it's going to end up... I think it's going to end up being, like, we talked to Imaru. Imaru's like, no, go res her. You know, allow mm-hmm. me to revive her. And in order for us to learn the secret of how to get through the the Trevussi, um <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> in order for us to get through there, she's gonna require us to fight Zivu. Okay. So then season four dungeon is Zivu. So then it, season four is gonna end up being like us preparing for it or something. Like I, I feel I, like we need to take out Ziva before we take out the witness. I agree. And so if yeah, we take definitely. out the witness in final shape, season four needs to be take out Zivu, not prepare for take out Zivu. I either that Unless Zivu's or, in the raid. That'd be pretty sweet. Or or Zivu's in the campaign. That would be cool. That would be cool. I'd be happy with either of those. If if I, Zivu yeah. is in the campaign or if she's in the raid, like War Priest for, for King's Fall, how about, I'm, I'm how about happy both? With that. How about they just double also, down yes. on both? Yeah, so yes. And then she could she could just end up going to Crota's throne room to throne world to try to take it over. So so okay, if Zivu's know. in the raid, <laughs> if or if Zivu's in the campaign and we defeat her, then she goes back to her throne and someone needs to describe war to bring her out of her throne. Who does who describes war to resurrect Zivu from her throne? And what is that description? What war is made to bring Zivu out. 
This, this oh. I don't I don't have and I, I'm asking just like no, no, toss, no, yeah. tossing yeah, it out that there. Makes sense. Like, off the top of my head, I I would think it would be us versus the witness. I feel like Cause, no because cause like, cause like let me that, let me that, let me lay it out. Let me let me yeah. let me out, lay out the timeline that I'm saying. So if we if we like middle to end like the 75 percent point of the campaign, we defeat Zivu, right? And so it's like, all right, Zivu's down. While she's down, let's go take out the witness. And then in that like eleventh hour, another entity creates war to resurrect oh, Zivu okay, to so help the witness to be like, nah, uh, uh, we're bringing her back. Who does it? And what do they do? Okay, yeah. so so you're meaning That's like if she's actually a campaign boss, and then yeah. how is she in the raid? Yeah, how does she get, like, what act gets brought back to bring her back for the raid? Like, immediately the act that I think is a, like, total, a near total, obviously, decimation of the city. And maybe just for laughs, they're like, we brought the tower back. Bam. (laughs) Destroyed again. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so messed up. Those poor contractors have been working on it for like seven years. They have. It'd well, be great. Okay, so I'd be so here's happy. Something funny. Here's something funny is remember we got to go there briefly for one of those meditations or whatever. Uh zero MD2. hour. We, yeah, that was it. Man. So it, okay. I like where this is headed, but we also awesome. we're yeah. also forgetting we're also forgetting one thing. Uh the Vex are gonna play a big part. You think? That's what they said. Did they? they they've said Somewhere. that. Vex will play a big part after in final shape. In final shape or after final shape? I've, Before, I believe. I've read them saying after. I I I excuse me would fully assume after. Before I I see it being strictly just the witnesses' yeah. army. Yeah, I don't know. I I just. Imagine if it was Keitel. Dude. If Keitel if, 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 if if flipped on us in the 11th hour and brought back Zivu. Yeah. That'd be so I, jacked up, dude. That'd be amazing. I could, I could see it more of a, it's right an there. ego thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we killed Zivu. No, she has to. Yes. I love it. Oh, I love that. I hope that happens. I hope Keitel fucks her shit up. That'd be so awesome. That's I would be alright with that. She's got a bone to pick. Yeah. I I could see I could actually absolutely see that being the campaign. Like Keitel is like screaming at us that Zivu is hers, and then like Zavala's like, take take the shot, Guardian, and completely obli- <laughs> obliterates the uh what is it, Armistice? completely obliterates it and and Keitel not not necessarily to bring Zivu back but in revenge for us taking her glory uh attacks the city and kills Mithrax. Well that would just be messed up. <laughs> I I I would love to I, see that. That'd be such I, a, a fucking banger of a story. Like as as cool as, as it would be. I feel like that's series finale of game of thrones level that's what the final <laughs> shape kind of needs to be though like i'm not i'm not that's and that's what i mean like about how people are like disappointed when the story just ends it's like 
did it just end or did it have like a big like finale of like holy shit this is awesome and then after yeah. the bad guy was defeated it just ended and that's what i want i want a big finale big fireworks but then it just ends like it you know and, and like and, and like i agree like it something needs to be monumental story wise yeah. the the problem that i have is more of just that wouldn't completely align with Kaido's character as we've seen you don't think it would I, I don't. You don't. Re- Season of the Haunted. She refused our help in taking on Gaul. Yeah, and then she actually accepted our help. Yeah, after and that. but that's that's the thing. Like with with like a character also, development where also, they 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 grow and then they fall, and you know. Yeah. Well, also, Elemis has a point because she's now working with Saladin, and Saladin's probably in her ear a little bit. You know, convincing her oh, to be very much chill. So. You know, that's chill. A- that's no that's that's a very good that's a very good point. And and yeah. I mean there there's also the fact that Zavala and her ha, like they've been considering just a a marriage just for the sake of of bringing <laughs> it, like it, it would be bringing, a political bringing, thing but like Yeah, yeah. bringing empires together. <laughs> right. Right. Like there actually was a lore entry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but think about it like historically. There had to be uh, an actual event like Roman or whenever event where two powers were considering it. And then one power offended the other and the other just comes in. Absolutely. Well, sure. Like the battle of Troy and the car, the Carthage battle. And then like Carhe, I mean, Carhe, the battle of Carhe that happened. Carhe is um, a big thing in, in destiny. I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know. They like the to play words. with stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying uh, that it's going to happen. I'm saying I hope it happens. And right. I will also yeah. say, Elemis, you might not be aware of this, but this show has predicted quite a few fucking things happening. We <laughs> we we've got like a a a solid track record of of yeah, uh, we do accurate predictions. So you put that okay. out there. <laughs> that was that was all this guy this guy right here he he was the one he was the one that said we kill we kill zivu and Keitel gets pissed there it is <laughs> that would be that would be kind of crazy though to do it like it, right it at would. the last minute yeah yeah it would that that i don't, I don't think know. anyone could be upset with the story if that's what they fucking pull off Look, so maybe the amazing. end of the game. Maybe the end of the game is like um, that mob show where it just goes black, or or like right before it goes <laughs> that black. Mob it's... show. Oh my god. What what was the mob show? The the one with. Uh, I'm really bad about this, by the way. So, uh, was that was Sopranos, show? right? Yeah, Sopranos. Thank you. So what if it's like the Sopranos and it just goes dark? That'd be great. Or or here's <laughs> here's one here's one right before it goes dark. It's Shax, and he takes off his helmet. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, you, you, you see so, his chin. Yeah. So, like, the end of Halo 1. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Where I've never played you Halo. You just see his upper, from his nose to his forehead. The, That's all the, you see. The end of Halo, or the original, like, CE, um, Master Chief goes to take off his helmet, and then it, the camera pans out. Yeah. Outside the ship. Yeah. It, it spawned a bunch of memes where like people were putting a helmet underneath the helmet. 
Oh, it's, it's funny that the, the game actually set that up that like, you're not allowed to see under his helmet. And then the show is like, not only do you get to see under his helmet, but you get to see under everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't talk about the show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry to say. All right. Um, well, I think that's going to be mostly it for, does anyone have any like closing statements they want to make? Cause we're coming up on our time. No, I just want to say thanks to our guest. Yes, thank you so much. That's awesome, man. This is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so if if you want to find more of us, if you came in late, you can find us on at Loose Cannon Show on Twitter, spelled exactly as it is here. We have a link tree that will bring you everywhere. Our shows get uploaded in audio and video format, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Ellis, uh, you can find me on Guardians of Lore. Um, we are a destiny book club and we try to meet weekly. Um, same. We're on all platforms. Uh, and on social media, we are guardians underscore lore on almost everything. Mm -hmm. And then we also do have a discord server, uh, discord.gg slash lore hub. Oh, nice. Nice, nice grab on that. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's 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 like you know to have the unique title and be Lore Hub. That's that's a fucking sweet name. <laughs> it's My got a cool always... icon for their for their room too. All right, everybody, we will be back in two weeks on September third, and that will be two weeks not only after the showcase but two weeks after season of the witch. You heard it here first. We are dropping the name. <laughs> So we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs>